It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host Travis Hauser. Hope you're all having a great week. Some exciting news for the Raising Golfers podcast is this week I launched the new Raising Golfers website. It's raisinggolfers.com and it has all the episodes on the website as well as I shared some of the wisdom shared from all the guests that have come on to every single episode. I also plan to write some blog posts and send that out into our golfing community. So I hope you all enjoy that. This week, we're going to dive into a topic that I am very curious about, which is playing Division I college golf. In episode four, we had Hayden Huey come onto the show, and he shared some of his experience playing Division II college golf. And this week, we have Alexis Keating, who played college golf at the University of Colorado. Did you ever have any doubts in high school that you wouldn't make it on a college golf team? Honestly, I didn't. I was full steam ahead with it, and... Part of that is probably my parents telling me that I can do anything that I set my mind to. They really encouraged me to dream big and follow them and just go after it. And so I never really wavered from the idea of it. Alexis started playing golf at a very young age while her parents encouraged her to just have fun. She had a goal at a very young age to play Division I college golf and that dream never stopped. She played four successful years at the University of Colorado and was a big part of the success that the team had. If you're an aspiring college golfer or have dreams to play Division I college golf, then this is gonna be a great episode for you. All right, Alexis, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Travis. Of course, yeah, I'm excited for the chat today because you know, you've had a long journey in the game of golf and you've even gotten to a place where you're able to play Division I college golf And so I'm excited to hear what that journey is. But before we get to the college golf and what you're up to now, I'd like to backtrack and have you tell us a little bit about where your journey in golf began. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up very rural town in Washington State, um, a town of 3000 people. So very small. My mom actually got my dad into golf and he just became obsessed with it. Absolutely loves it. Watched it on TV. I remember you know, all the way growing up, all the tournaments, all the, you know, recording back when like VCRs were a thing and everything. But he had a net in our front yard and would hit golf balls into this net in our front yard. And when I was about two years old, I picked up a club and tried to give it a whack and never looked back. So (laughs) um, yeah, so I've been, you know, it's been a passion of mine for a very long time. And so instead of, you know, throwing a baseball or something in the front yard, we hit golf balls. And I just loved every second of it. That's cool. And so you've got a couple of siblings as well. Were they involved in the game of golf as well? Yes. So my younger sister, Lauren, she actually played for the University of Colorado as well. And so she just graduated a few years ago, a couple years ago. Um, But yeah, she played golf, junior golf. Uh, My brother, who is the youngest, he did not play golf. (laughs) So it was just my sister and I really. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of other juniors that 
played golf in the area, just outside of playing, you know, on a high school golf team or, you know, but not very many people did, you know, in the summer, super, you know, competitive tournaments or anything like that, as far as, you know, AJGA, WJGA, all those things. So what were you doing as, as like, let's just, let's go from, I don't know, age five till age eight, how were you practicing or, you know, what types of things were you able to get involved with if you weren't really that close to those types of lessons or those types of group programs? We really didn't. I grew up just playing at the local golf course. There wasn't a ton in the way of, um, you know, junior camps or anything like that. There were a couple courses that did them. And I do remember doing a few of those as, you know, a younger kid, but I was, so blessed to have the parents as the support system that I did because I pretty much told my dad that I wanted to be a professional golfer at the age of like eight (laughs) and (laughs) I wanted to play, I wanted to play college golf and they did everything that they possibly could to make that happen for me and to do whatever they could to support me in that journey. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I was very lucky. And they, so at the age of six, I asked my dad if I could play in my own golf tournament because he played in, you know, uh, like charity tournaments and, you know, with the church and, you know, things like that, where they were playing in just, you know, scrambles and stuff like that. And so I was like, Hey, when can I play in a tournament? And so he found me a U.S. kids event and I qualified for the world championships and they took me. And that same year. Uh, six years old. Yeah. Six wow. and then I, six and then eight, I think I went. And so, you know, from a very young age, they did whatever they possibly could to support me and, you know, to help me reach my goals at a very young age. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So like I said, so lucky to have them as a support system. And then I started playing in WJGA events and they separate things out by district. So then I was able to play in more, not necessarily quote unquote local, but within a couple hour drive, I was able to play in some events in the summer and then they did a district and a state tournament. And so, you know, it gave you a progression and then the state championships was kind of the, you know, the hurrah for the end of the year. And it was, you know, they did an amazing job. And so I did that all the way through junior golf as well. And then at the age of 11, I started with a golf coach. And I had him all the way through my golf career. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was very lucky. He, um, his name's Joe Teal. So Joe, very involved with other students that, you know, had played college golf, played professional golf. And so he, of course, became a huge resource for us, you know, just helping as far as, you know, what things to do during the recruiting process and, you know, what it's going to look like and those sorts of things, because, you know, neither one of my parents, they didn't play sports in college or anything like that. So this was new for all of us um, once I got to that age. Wow. So I want to back up again, because I want to go back yeah. to when you were quite young. So let's just say you're, you're five years old now and you <laughs> qualify for U.S. Kids World Championship by age six. So how were you practicing at that age or what were you doing? Were you just going to the golf course and just playing with your dad or, you know, how did you get your game to a level where you could actually compete at such a young age? (laughs) Yes. So for me, it was all about fun. Um, And my parents kept it fun for me. And I remember that as a kid. And of course, you know, at that age, I don't remember exactly like, was I doing a bunch of drills or anything like that? But for me, 
Um, I do remember there being three musketeers involved. (laughs) My dad would, okay, we're going to, here, we'll do a competition. And if you win, you'll get a three musketeers. And (laughs) at that age, I pretty much did anything for a three musketeers. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's great motivation at that age for sure. Yes, definitely. And so I just remember it being a ton of fun. And I remember my dad and I going out and playing golf as a kid and walking, you know, a late afternoon, nine holes. And I just remember it being a ton of fun. And, you know, he just, he would joke around with me and we would just laugh. And it was just a time that we had together and it turned into me just loving the game of golf is basically what he started. And I think that if it wouldn't have been like that for me at a very young age, you can't say like, if you know for sure what what would have happened next. That's true. No, certainly. So in your part of Washington, where you grew up, can you play golf year round? So actually, so I am back in Washington now and I am sitting outside because my people are getting ready for work and things in the house and it's actually raining right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so golf here, you can quote unquote, yes, you can play year round, but usually, you know, winter time, early, you know, springtime, the conditions are not super ideal as far as rain and that sort of thing. So when I got older, my parents, we moved to a new house and the gentleman that had owned it, the couple that owned it before us, he restored cars. And so he had this shop built and it was pretty good sized shop and there was a paint booth in it. And so my dad turned it into a hitting bay Oh, and, that's great! and put net. I think it was like paintball netting. Actually, there's a paintball course locally and so he figured if a paintball can't get through it her golf ball can't I guess and so so figured out where they got that and set up this hitting bay so that I could actually hit golf balls during the winter without being in the pouring down rain and then we had a like a little putting carpet in there and so I could work on some putting drills and stuff like that and that kind of became my time to work on a lot of mechanics I guess, you know, a lot of drills, obviously, you're not hitting a totally live golf ball, you know, out into a range, so you can't see entirely what it's doing. But it became my time to when I was working on things in my game, lots of drills, you know, lots of putting drills, those sorts of things. So who who was giving you these drills? Was it just your dad? Was he doing some type of research or watching the golf channel? Or, you know, how, how did he know what to give you as far as practice goes at that point? Because I started with Joe when I was 11. So up until that time, it was pretty much just whatever he knew about the game. And so, but then once I started with Joe, of course, that's kind of when more of the the drills and the really specific mechanical sort of things started happening as far as helping change my swing in different ways and that sort of stuff. But up until that point, it really was just what my dad was hearing and what he knew about the game and from watching the PGA and the LPGA on TV. And it was really based off of his research and that sort of thing up until I was about 11. When you were playing in these competitions, the US Kids Tournaments, was your mom or dad caddying for you at these events? So my dad did caddy for me. I do. Yeah, I remember that. I actually 
fun little side story. I actually played with Lexi Thompson in a round Whoa. at US Kids when we were like, no eight. Way. yeah, yeah. So it's pretty funny. And then, but yeah, so anyways, I just remember, you know, my mom and my dad were both there. My dad was, he did caddy for me. So he walked along with me. I do remember being, you know, nervous because it was a pretty big, you know, obviously US Kids and the world championship and everything was, is a big deal. And so I remember waking up early in the morning for my tea times and warming up and seeing just being like in awe of all the because there's older kids there. And then just being in awe of like, you know, their swings. And, you know, I remember watching people on the range and just being like, Oh, my gosh, like, they are so good. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of expectations did your parents have for you in your tournament golf at that point? Um, So at that point, it was really like I said, it was really still just about like, having fun. And I think those first few tournaments were just kind of like, is she going to enjoy this sort of thing? And is she going to like this? And is she going to enjoy the competition on a pretty large scale? And so I just remember it still being just about a lot of fun. Like when we were at the tournaments, I remember still we went to the beach, you know, we did a lot of really cool things in the area. One year it was in Georgia and another in Virginia. And so we did like Washington, D.C. And I still remember all that stuff as a kid, too. So it was they made sure that it was still something that was fun and enjoyable for me. It wasn't just where you're going to be in trouble if you don't play well, you know, nothing like that. I never remember feeling that way. Oh, that's great. And did you play other sports growing up? Yes, I played pretty much everything under the sun that was available to us locally. Basketball, soccer, fast pitch or softball or, you know, however you call. So yeah, I played every sport all the way through pretty much like middle school. I was still playing basketball and, you know, all that. When I hit high school, I was on a dance team for a couple years and then I actually injured. I had a shoulder injury. And so I kind of dialed it down after that. But yeah, I stayed involved in other sports activities, you know, for as long as I technically could. Looking back on that, um, do you feel like that really helped your your golf progress? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, especially as like a younger kid, I feel like it just it built, you know, athleticism and sports sportsmanship, all those great things that come along with a team sport that you don't not that you don't get from an individual sport, but from a young for a young kid to be, you know, with groups of kids and enjoying just other things and not having everything be just one thing all the time. I think for sure for me was very beneficial. And that's how you know, that was a lot of what my what all my friends were doing as well. So I was spending time with my friends and doing all those things as a kid for sure. That's cool. So you basically lived a a normal kid's life. But you were able to by the time you get to college, or even before then excel your golf career while still having a good balance of other sports and enjoyment in life, which is great. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a lot of that is my parents also make making sure and encouraging me to still continue these things that I enjoyed. I loved I loved dance. And so they were very supportive of of me, you know, being a part of that and doing that. And um, there were days where I went straight from a golf tournament to a drill team practice. (laughs) So yeah, so it was definitely not to say that it wasn't hectic or, you know, a little bit challenging at times. But for me, it was very important to still keep other things going on. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see as a golf coach, at least, is that kids start to specialize too early. They start to play 
only golf and they don't play any other sports, but I think maybe they'll show some early developmental signs that maybe they can be a good golfer. But I think all the other kids will eventually catch up, the ones that are playing multi-sports and doing other activities. And I certainly believe that it just has a huge influence on the development of sports players and yeah. kids if they do other activities and other sports. Yeah, absolutely. And I even, I mean, I even did tried piano at one point and I tried playing the, you know, the flute. And so those things didn't jive with me quite as well as sports did. <laughs> right. I gave them a shot and my parents let me try them and put me in different things. And so, yeah, I definitely agree that for me, for sure, it was very important. And my sister, you know, my sister did the same thing. She played a ton of other sports. She played basketball all the way up until high school. And she, same thing, had an injury, took her out of bas- uh, from playing basketball. And so, you know, we both really did a lot of things all the way through up until, like I said, we literally couldn't anymore. I think that's great because you actually don't know what it is you like until you try a bunch of different things. You know, it's like ice cream or you don't know what flavor ice cream is your favorite flavor until you try all of them. And it's the same with sports. I think it's a great thing that you guys did growing up, which is really cool. We're going to fast forward a little bit into your high school career. And so obviously you've got a golf coach starting at age 11 and you're playing golf in high school. Yes. And at some point, you want to really pursue your career in college golf as well. So tell us a little bit about your high school golf experience and then when you started going through the recruitment process for college golf. Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, I, from a very young age, had decided that golf was my thing and I wanted to play college golf and play professional golf. And so I had that mindset pretty young along. So I would say like middle school time was when I really started to just myself kind of start think about different schools you want to go to and you kind of dream about these things and like you want to start dreaming about being a division one golfer and My golf coach was actually um, the assistant coach for University of Washington for a bit. So I would go up to their tournaments if they had one locally and watch them and, you know, just was in awe of them and was like, I hope that I can be one of these girls someday. Absolutely. That's great to have those role models to look up to. Yeah, absolutely. So I was very lucky in that regard also that, and then I would see him at lessons and, you know, you can talk to him. And so I was very lucky in that way also that there was, those people around me that I could look up to that were just within an arm's reach as far as talking and asking questions and that sort of stuff. So were you asking them questions about the recruitment process, you know, the other players that were already playing college golf? So I would say I relied more so on Joe for that. You know, I would talk to him and be around them and see how they practiced and kind of like what drills they were doing and that sort of stuff. And like the amount of time that they were putting in to get to where they were at. And so I would say they were more so like a role model for me. Mm. in that way but yeah so then you know you start kind of thinking about what tournaments you want to play in and to kind of get that like I said from a small town and so you know my high school golf team it's a small division and so it's a small team and um, so you start thinking about which tournaments do I need to be playing in to kind of get exposure in a way I guess if you will and so during the summers I played in like I said, the WJGA and played in a couple AJGA events and Junior Worlds and America's Cup, which America's Cup is like a, it's a team match play event. And so you're on the team of your state. So I was on Team Washington for a couple years. And that was an awesome experience because you travel 
with your team and your parents don't come with you. And so it's kind of getting that like idea of what college golf feels like in a way. Right. You know, you're traveling with these girls and the coaches and you're going and playing practice rounds and you have to kind of do it on your own and with the help, with their help. And so that was an awesome experience for me as well. But yeah, so I just, I just practiced as hard as I could. And like you mentioned the shop during the winter time and when I had good weather and even when the weather wasn't that great, I was out in it practicing and going to other courses around the area to practice there and practice where my golf coach was and all that. Did you ever have any doubts in high school that you wouldn't make it on a college golf team? Honestly, I didn't. I was full steam ahead with it. And part of that is probably my parents telling me that I can do anything that I set my mind to. They really encouraged me to dream big and follow them and just go after it. And so I never really wavered from the idea of it. And part of that is probably just, I'm not sure exactly what the timing is anymore as far as when coaches can start contacting you or um, like sending you letters and emails and that sort of stuff. But I, I started getting letters in the mail and pretty early on. I think I committed, I think it's junior year that you can commit. And then like your sophomore year, you can... Um, start getting like the summer after years, but pretty much as soon as I could start receiving stuff and talking to corresponding with coaches, I did. So you were actually getting letters from coaches before you were contacting them? Or is this after you made some type of initial contact and they saw you at a tournament that they would send you a letter? I got letters from schools that I did not contact, but I was also contacting. Yeah. So I think, you know, that really helped me to, that gives you a lot of confidence in like, I can do this sort of thing. Um, Absolutely. And so I think that's a big reason why I never really wavered from it because I'm like, okay, you know, if they're contacting me, then this is 100% possible and I can do this sort of thing. But I also was very active in reaching out to schools that, you know, I knew from the get go that I was interested in. I actually set up like a little, like a resume that basically outlined, you know, my story, where I was from, different tournaments that I was playing in that they could kind of check up on you and see how you're doing and past tournaments and uh, stuff like that. And of course, academics, academics plays a big role also in different schools that you're looking at and, you know, what types of schools you're looking at. For me, I knew that there were some schools that were not realistic for me academically to be a part of, and that was fine. And, but, you know, I set those, I set those parameters very quickly and early on of kind of what was important to me and what I knew I needed to be successful. Talking with you, it sounds like you have a very outgoing personality do you think that was helpful when you had to reach out to these coaches? Because I know a lot of players are very nervous about contacting coaches, whether it's via email, phone calls, texts. Do you think yeah. that was a benefit for you? I definitely think so. I was, of course, nervous. You know, this is a dream of yours and you want it to happen so badly. And these are the people that are going to help make it happen. And so, of course, you, when you're on a phone call, you want them to like you and, you know, have a good first impression of you. So I was definitely, the phone calls definitely made me nervous. I won't lie. And then I do remember for a year at Junior Worlds, I was teeing off of, I think off of number 10, and there's a balcony, and there was probably 50 golf coaches standing between the balcony and around at the bottom level, and you feel it for sure. Um, So 
you know, there was definitely points in time where I was nervous and, but you just power through it and just remember all those times that you practiced and all of these things that you've done that make it like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. No, that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, I can understand how nervous you were in those situations. And it's quite interesting now because I think from my experience with golf coaching and just, I also worked on the U.S. Kids Tour in the San Francisco Bay Area. And looking at my experience so far, number one is I would say more than 50% of my students are girls. Mm -hmm. And number two is the tournaments that we were running in the Bay Area. I think the highest competition was actually in the girls group. So just the fact that you were able to get into a division one school and then go through all these experiences and play in the junior world and, and all these events, I can understand the nerves that you had. And I think it's fantastic that you were able to persevere through that. So would you have any advice for other girls who are aspiring to play college golf and have to go through this recruitment process? Any advice looking back on it now? Yeah, I would say just, and I know this is going to sound a little cliche, but just stay so true to who you are and what you know is going to help make you successful. I think a lot of times, especially in the recruitment process, you can get very caught up in things that are not necessarily going to, you know, if you have dreams of playing professional golf, like college golf is just another stepping stone that's going to help you in that process and in that journey, right? So mm-hmm. you want it to be a fit that is going to help you be even more successful than you are right now. And a place that's going to help push you and like kind of catapult you forward into that next realm of competitive golf. And I think it's so important to just, you know yourself well enough that better than anyone else. Right. And to just stay very true to what you know is going to help make you successful. And I feel like that is something that helped me a lot was, I set forward kind of not like bullet points, but kind of outlined what I knew that I needed and whether that meant what I needed in a golf coach. And, you know, when you go on recruit recruiting trips, it's not just them checking you out. It's you checking them out too. And I think it's important to remember that and to kind of, you know, keep that mindset of like thinking like, am I going to fit in here rather than do they want me or not? No, absolutely. From what I've heard from college coaches and then college players is there's a lot of stories where players go to the D1 school that, let's just say, I don't know, it's a famous school. Okay, let's go USC. Right. They actually get there and they actually realize that actually the school isn't a fit for them or maybe the golf team isn't a fit for them. And I think that advice you gave is just so important because you obviously have big goals and big dreams, but like you said, you're also kind of checking them out. You want to make sure that they as the school and the team is a good fit for you as well because just because it's a d1 school just because it's famous doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out and doesn't mean that it's a good fit right right and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to provide you with the experience that you're looking for or with the you know helping to achieve those next step in goals that you have set for yourself and and maybe they maybe it is the perfect fit right so you know 100% could be That would be my advice to somebody is just to stay true to what you know is going to help you be successful. And as an example for me, I was very upfront with the fact that I still wanted Joe to be involved in being able to send him swing videos and kind of work on the things that we had been working on for so long. That was very important to me because he had helped me get to that point. And, you know, I knew he could get me help get me even farther. 
And so I wanted him to be a part of that support system through college as well, along with the college golf coaches. And so for me, that was very important. So I was very upfront with that, you know, saying that I still wanted him to be able to be involved and sending him, like I said, sending him swing videos. And so that was something that I put forward that I knew was going to help make me successful and help me through those hard times of because it's going to happen where, you know, you just have a bad tournament and just talking with him helped me so much. So I knew that that was something that I was going to need. And so just as kind of an example of being upfront with something that you know that is going to help make you successful because they want you to be as successful as you possibly can be too, right? Because, you know, you're playing for their team. Absolutely. So was that one of the underlying reasons why you decided to go with the University of Colorado? Um, Yeah, they were very supportive and both coaches, they both said that they loved, you know, my swing and what I had done. So all of the ideals were kind of, were aligned, and so it worked out well in that regard. For they were supportive of that. So yes, that was definitely a reason. But I don't know if you've ever been to Boulder, Colorado. Unfortunately, not not yet. <laughs> well, if you ever get a chance to go, it is incredible. It's a place that's really hard to not fall in love with. Like the second you get there, honestly, it sits right at the base of the Flatirons, and so like your walk through campus is just mountain range all around you basically and so it's just it's a stunning it's a beautiful school good academics it's you know it was in the Pac-12 I enjoyed spending time you know with the coaches and talking with the coaches and this is also something that I took into consideration for myself was um, I'm very close with my family and so I didn't want to be too far but I wanted to be kind of just far enough sort of thing to where I wasn't going home every weekend that I could that I was really experiencing my college time, meeting new people and doing all of those things, even when I had maybe an off weekend from uh, traveling in tournaments and things like that. So I knew that I needed that sort of balance as well. So I did take that into consideration also. That's great. And were you offered a scholarship to play there? Yes, I was. And what kind of scholarship did they provide for you? It was fluoride. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Those aren't, yeah. those are, those are hard to come by. Yeah, yeah. I've been very, you know, very blessed in my journey. And, you know, I worked hard for it, for sure. So yes, it was definitely, it was very exciting, of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's a dream come true there, isn't it? Yes, yes. And so, um, and that was always my goal was to get to that point and to be able to be offered that it was definitely it was a dream, literally a dream come true. So yeah, that's cool. (laughs) All right. So now you're at the University of Colorado. You've gotten your full ride scholarship, which all of us want. I mean, I still want one of those. <laughs> and you get there, you're in this beautiful place. And now you're on a division one college golf team. Yeah. So tell us about your first few experiences, <laughs> what you felt like, and just tell us yeah. how that experience went. Yeah. Well, I got there and just to start the Campus itself probably has more buildings on it than my hometown does in its entirety. So (laughs) for me, just that initial getting there and, you know, driving to practice and all of these things, it was a bit of a, it was a culture shock in a way. And it was a bit of a slap in the face, like, all right, wake up, you're here and it's time to get going sort of thing and like get these things figured out. But I was very lucky that the dorm that I was in also had some of the other freshman golf girls in it on the same floor. And so we really 
you know, helped each other out and worked together in a way. Um, one of the girls was actually my roommate for my our first year. And so it was nice to have them to be able to like, okay, like, let's all just we'll carpool to practice together. And then, you know, we'll do this and we'll study together. So it was awesome to have that like, initial group of friends, right? And, you know, people that you that knew exactly what you were going through and knew exactly, you know, what your schedule entailed and understood that. And we kind of supported each other. At least I felt that they supported me in that. And especially in that first little bit. So I was very lucky in that way to have people close by that knew what was going on sort of thing. And we're going through it as well. That's fantastic. I mean, to be put in that type of environment really does help, especially when you're in somewhat of a foreign environment. And to be able to go through it together with the other people just makes it so much easier and the transition better. And I think that's great that you had that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, the support system that they put in place at University of Colorado is pretty incredible as far as, you know, academic advisors and mentor support and you know, all these people who are there to help you succeed and get going right away down to let's talk about how we're going to organize your planners. And let's, you know, yes, we need to use a planner, (laughs) you know, all these things, just to help you keep your life organized. Because especially in the beginning, when, you know, you're being thrown into like college auditorium rooms, where you're in a class with a couple hundred other kids, there's a lot that you're taking in, in a very short period of time. And you know, with golf being both a fall and a spring season, you know, you're getting going into practicing and tournaments like right away. Our first tournament was always right at the beginning of school. So there's really no time to waste as far as feeling 100% settled, which is kind of nice that you're just at least for me just being thrown into it is um, sometimes a good thing for me because I have no other choice than to just make make it work. So for me, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And I remember playing in my first tournament and feeling pretty nervous, but very proud to have wearing the University of Colorado, the CU logo and be representing, you know, this was a dream of mine for however long. And so I just remember feeling very proud and, you know, excited about it. But of course, you get those butterflies, but butterflies are good if you use them in the right way. I think so. That's good advice. Yeah. A couple episodes ago, we had a Division Two men's player come on, and he shared his experience about Division Two golf. But I know yeah. that Division One golf is different. So tell me about the practices, the trainings, and then also we'll get into the balance between academic life and golf life. So practice and trainings, we did Tuesdays and Thursdays, we had 6am workouts. And so we did we, you know, as a team, we were in the gym a couple days a week. And then, you know, of course, practicing during the week and practices could look a number of different ways for us. You know, a lot of times we did kind of some individual sort of work like, hey, what do you know, you need to work on? Let's talk about it and kind of get that going, right? Because, you know, everyone's at a different point. And especially after a tournament, just trying to clean up on those things that, you know, you struggled with a little bit and just trying to get better every day. But we did do a lot of like team competitions and where, you know, we would have goals that we were trying to meet throughout the practice of, you know, okay, everyone, I want you to be able to get up and down from this spot in the bunker from this, you know, here, things like that. And then of course, there's qualifying days where It's basically a little tournament amongst your teammates to be able to play in the upcoming tournament. 
Oh, that's interesting. And does every player have to participate in that? Or is there any exemptions? Yeah, so there would be exemptions. A player is the top three or something like that from the previous tournament. But there usually were people qualifying for spots. And, you know, on any given week, it could be you. Right. So yeah, practice for us could have looked, you know, like I said, a number of different ways. But it was usually, you know, out there for a couple hours. The NCAA does have rules on how long they can have you in like a practice sort of setting. So of course, following by those. And then we did like other team functions, you know, sometimes during the week, we would have dinners or if we had someone, a recruit coming to town, we usually would all go out to dinner with her so that she could kind of, you know, meet the team and all of that. And so there was always, we always had something going on for sure. And then as far as strength training goes, we're so lucky with the trainer that we had. He was not right away, was he? But towards the end of my career there, he was also TPI certified. And so um, really made sure that we as golfers were doing things that were going to help us as golfers and like not doing the same workout as the football team sort of thing. And so he was awesome. What kind of muscle groups were you guys focusing on or what types of training were you actually doing that was related to golf? There was usually cardio involved. We played in a lot of like 36 hole tournaments, 36 holes and then 18 holes. And so cardio just like at its base value of being able to walk and physically be okay for that long. So we did a lot of cardio. We did lifting as well, but it was never like super heavy lifting or anything like that. It was more so like we did a lot of like hit workout sort of stuff. So it was, you know, high intensity cardio, like circuit sort of stuff. And then we would do a lot of like band work. And that was a lot of the TPI stuff was working on that range of motion and flexibility and stuff like that. We also did yoga as a team, um, which was really cool. One of the compliance officers at the school was also a yoga instructor. And so she did yoga for us from time to time. So that was super cool just to kind of switch things up and do something different. But also, of course, something that's very helpful and stretching and, you know, mind body stuff. It's, of course, important for a golfer. But yeah, so that's kind of what trainings looked like. Oh, that's us. cool. No, that's yeah. great. I mean, it sounds like you had a very good and well-organized program that fit within the NCAA rules of how much you can practice in those types of settings. So that sounds really good. And yeah. um, what about the mental side? Did you guys have a sports psychologist that worked for your team or was that a role of your coaches? A little bit of both, I guess, but we did have a sports psychologist. It wasn't specific to our team. But it was, you know, he was on staff for all sports teams. And so I did go to him to kind of ask for some tips for, you know, I was having a hard time kind of staying in the moment and not getting too far ahead of myself. And I'm a person that gets very excited. And so I get, you know, my brain just gets rolling. So, you know, I went to him, talked to him about a couple of different ideas on, you know, how to kind of combat that in a golf tournament. And actually, one of the things that he told me was to touch a towel or to like feel something so that it kind of brings you back to like the moment, which I thought was so interesting, but it works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, you know, there would be a couple times where I'd be out on the golf course and I'm like, okay, like bring it on back. And I would just kind of like take a second just to myself and kind of, you know, mess with something. And it really would help me to just kind of like reel it back in a little bit and just kind of like relax a little bit. 
But I also did a lot of reading, especially like prior to college, just on mental game and that sort of stuff. Did you have a favorite book? What would you recommend? I loved Golf Flow by Gio Valiante, forward by Sir Nick Saldo. And so I really liked that one. At least for me, that was a good one. And then, of course, there's, you know, the books that are like your 15th club and those by Bob Rotel, is it? Bob Rotella, yeah. Yeah, Rotella, thank you. Um, yeah, so I read a couple of his books. I really enjoyed those, and those kind of helped just give ideas about understanding. A couple of them that I read like gave real understandings of the anatomy side of like what practice does for you and how, and basically saying, you know, you need to like remember that and be confident in that, that like it's there, it's in your body, your body has learned it sort of thing. And that was very helpful for me. Well, we had a guy on Stephen Yellen, he wrote a book called Simplicity, and he has this program called The Fluid Motion Factor. And basically what his premise is, is to access what you already own, which sounds Mm -hmm. very similar to what you just said there. Yeah, you know, not every idea is going to work for everybody. But if it does work for you, then it's totally worth it, of course, right? So just reading and getting different ideas and, you know, because it is a lot of pressure. It is at the end of the day. And it's a lot of hard work. And sometimes you need just that little bit of encouragement to help you be confident in that. And so those really helped me with that. Well, I can certainly see that it did. I'm I'm here looking at your (laughs) results from your college career. (laughs) Junior year, it says you competed in all 11 team events and had two top five finishes. And in your senior year, you competed in all 12 of the events and your score was accounted for or counted towards the team 28 of 29 times. So (laughs) clearly those things help because you were getting through those team qualifiers if you had to. And when you were playing in the events, you know, you were a huge factor for the team and their success. So these things that you're saying are obviously a big help. (laughs) Yeah, my college career, I just, I had so much fun with it. And traveling to all these different courses and getting to experience all these different things was just really, it was really incredible. And I loved every second of it. And so um, I think that probably helped too, is that I just, I enjoyed it a lot. And I found the fun in it. And I think that's very important. That's great. Looking back on your college career, is there anything you wish you knew before you started playing college golf? That's a tough one. At least for me, you know, everyone tells you that it's going to be hard to be away from home. But I really did have some moments of just like, I don't know what I'm going to do sort of thing. And just feeling pretty like, not defeated, but just having a really hard time just, you know, taking all of this in. And sometimes it just would become, you know, a lot to handle. And, um, you know, you're trying to do all these different things and you're trying to be successful in school and you're trying to be successful on the golf course and you're trying to be like a normal person all at the same time. Sometimes it is really hard and that's okay. And not that people didn't tell me that it wasn't going to be okay or that I wasn't going to face some, you know, challenging times or anything. But I think it's really important to know that, you know, for me, like you have these resources within the athletic department, don't be afraid to use them sort of thing. And don't be afraid to go to them and say, hey, I'm having a really hard time. Like you and everybody else are having a really hard time at one point or another, right? And um, I think a lot of times as like high, very highly competitive athletes, it's just needs to be okay all the time. And it's okay to not be okay. And to reach out and to, ask somebody for help. My academic advisor was 
one of my rocks. <laughs> she, I could go into her at any time and just be like, I'm so overwhelmed. And, you know, I could be totally honest with her and she would, you know, help me through it or go to a coach or a teammate or somebody. I think that's super important to keep in mind that there are going to be those really hard moments where it feels like a lot to handle. And that's okay. And it happened to me and I got through them. So. No, that's great. I mean, I think it's, it's great advice because I can even relate to myself like when it comes to, let's just say it's a health situation. I'm so resistant to going to see the doctor or go to see the dentist. But then after I go, I feel so so much better. And right. it's very similar to what you just described there with your experience in college. And, you know, your academic advisor was actually, like you said, your rock. And they're not involved with the game of golf, right? <laughs> right. But she helped you along the way. Yeah, exactly. And she was always there for me. And I um, and finding those people right away is important because you want to know who you're going to be comfortable with, you know, going to them and saying, and, you know, I had plenty of conversations with coaches and other people as well about, man, I'm just really stressed out right now or whatever it was. But yeah, no, it's, and you're totally right in saying, you know, it's just ironic that she was 100% one of the people that I relied on so much. And she has nothing to do with technically golf. <laughs> right. You know, she was very understanding and, you know, she knew what we were going through as student athletes and she, you know, was the advisor for multiple different teams and she was there for all of us. That's what That's I would great. say. It's just don't be afraid to, you know, reach out and talk to somebody and whether it is going to the sports psychologist and just getting that one little tip that's going to help push you forward, right? I think it's also important to remember that you can learn something from everyone and that, you know, everyone has something that they know that could help you, right? And right. you never know who that person's going to be. So I think that's important as well. That's great advice. So, you know, with the balance of academics and golf, I know that Division Two, there's a very big difficulty with balancing academics and golf because when you play for a Division Two school, it's not that everything's all about golf. It's like you really have to focus a lot on academics. And obviously, if you want to become a good golfer or a collegiate golfer, you have to focus on your golf. What's it like at a D1 school? They always emphasized, at least for us, that we were student athletes. And so we were students first. And so if the your academic side of it wasn't where it needed to be, then, you know, something needed to change. And, you know, that idea was instilled at the very beginning of it and so there were times where I was you know I've taken tests in hotel rooms and proctored by you know the our operations person and you know stuff like that and so academics were very important for us and um, we had goals you know we wanted to be a team that had a high GPA and so our coach was very much you know she was very understanding on if you know we needed to leave practice early or, you know, anything like that, if it was for the sake of our academic careers as well. So were you, you were away for a lot of tournaments and so you missed quite a few classes, right? So you had to yes. make up for that somehow. How did you, how did you make up for that? <laughs> for us, our academic advisor would give us a letter that said, I'm a, on the golf team and it would be, this is the days that I'm going to potentially miss sort of thing so that the professors were always aware of it from the very beginning. And it's interesting because different professors respond to it differently, of course, um, as far as their class is structured and 
at least in my experience, as long as I was always just very upfront with them and, you know, straightforward and saying like, this does not mean that, you know, I don't want to be successful in your class. Like I still want to get good grades and work very hard and do whatever it is that I need to do to fulfill your requirements for this class is very important. And I did have, you know, I had one professor, she played college softball. So she was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is so awesome. Like, (laughs) she was so excited (laughs) to have me in her class and to like work with me through that. And so, you know, there's a lot of professors or they enjoy it. And they're like, this is so cool that you're, you know, college athlete. But yeah, I would say just being very upfront with them and, you know, open lines of communication and saying like, you know, it could mean that you have to take a test early. Or it could mean that you need to coordinate with your academic advisor and your coaches about having a proctor on the road, because some professors want you to take the test at the same time as the rest of the class, you know, stuff like that. So there was always a lot of juggling going on, that's for sure. But like I said, you have all these people who want to help you make it work and help you be as successful as you possibly can. And so Mm -hmm. just reiterating that, like open lines of communication and just being very upfront with what's going on and what you need for a class or whatever it could be. Um, You miss a lot of classes. And so, you know, sometimes the professors would come up with other ways for you to make up in participation points because some of their classes are structured around that, which means you being in class, which isn't realistic a lot of the times. Absolutely. Being upfront and open lines of communication. Can't emphasize it enough, I don't think. (laughs) No, that's great. Well, I mean, it sounds like you had just an amazing four years at the University of Colorado, and you obviously had a lot of success playing golf there, and you graduated. What was the goal after graduating from college? I wanted to continue my golf career. Um, I played a year on the Symmetra Tour. I played in a couple other you know, tournaments as well. I played like on the Cactus Tour. And then I did qualify. This was kind of my like highlight, if you will. I Monday qualified into the Portland Classic for the LPGA. Oh, great. Yeah. So that was an amazing experience. And my mom was actually on the bag. No way. <laughs> so yeah. So it was pretty incredible to, you know, have her there and share that with her and have the family and everything. And so that was that was the highlight for sure for me. But yeah, and then I have been working as a club professional now as an assistant pro, um, giving lessons and doing clinics and running tournaments and doing all those things. And I really enjoyed it. And um, so still a part of golf, uh, not necessarily playing full time, still enjoying it and playing and, you know, all those things. But hopefully I was just telling someone actually that I'm starting to get a little bit itchy wanting to play some competitive golf. So hopefully, you know, hopefully here pretty soon things will return to somewhat of normalcy and things can carry on as they were but until then I'm just gonna kind of start practicing and hopefully get out there again soon so we'll see that's cool so do you think your future will always be in golf um I think it's been such a huge part of my life I think it'll always be a part of my life and a huge passion of mine and it's not something that I'll ever let go so you know I can't say for sure what (laughs) I'll be up to 20 years down the road but um, I'll always be involved in golf in one way or another and whether that means just being someone that is a resource for other people going through the process that I went through I think that that's super important 
I was always very willing to working as a club pro. Um, any of the juniors that were going through it, I always made it very you know clear and open to them that they could ask me anything that they wanted to about my experience or about the process. So, but yeah, so I, I'll, I'll always be a part of golf in one way or another, I'm sure. <laughs> That's great. Well, you've shared so much information with us about your golf experience and your division one college experience. But before I let you go, I'd love it if you could share some words of inspiration for either parents, players, or coaches who have somebody who wants to play college golf. I would say keeping the joy in it it, first and foremost, because at the end of the day, this is something that, you know, this is a game that we are passionate about and that we love. So keeping that joy and keeping that feeling of when you're a little kid playing golf for the first time or playing your first golf tournament, I think that that is very important. But I would also say being that supporter for somebody and pushing someone along as far as they want to be pushed. My parents were always there for me to, you know, get me through those ups and downs of college golf and competition golf. And, you know, they really pushed me through it, even when I felt like, you know, maybe this isn't necessarily for me, you know, feeling a little bit discouraged. They always asked me, you know, is this still what you want? And as long as I said yes, they kept, you know, moving me through and keeping me going and keeping me motivated and confident. So I think just being that support system for people is so important because this is not something to be done by yourself. This is something that you need the support from your loved ones and your friends. And, you know, even those people you never expected to be your support system possibly could be. So, you know, just keeping that in mind also. I think that's great. I think a lot of people can use that advice in a positive way. Again, you shared so much experience and knowledge and kind of gave us, you know, just a little bit of light into what Division I college golf looks like. It sounds like you had an amazing experience, and I certainly hope that the listeners listening to your story, it gives them inspiration and a little bit more knowledge of what they need to do to get into a Division I school, and once they're there, what that life is actually like. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your story today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was a great conversation with Alexis Keating about the Division I college golf experience. She shared some great information about how to choose the right school for you. And I like what she said was that when colleges are looking at you to play at their university, you also have to look at them and make sure that they're a right fit for you. And if you have some things that you would like to maintain, for example, keeping your golf coach on board with you through the process, then that's something you need to let them know ahead of time. She also talked about what practices, trainings, and tournaments look like, and how to balance academics as a college athlete. I found all this information very useful and helpful and wish it was something I knew before I was going into college. She also shared the importance of seeking help when help was needed and keeping an open line of communication with not just her coaches, but also her professors. If you're an aspiring college golfer, I'm sure this will help paint a better picture of what is ahead and your college golf journey. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.